We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jess, are you ready for rapid fire? You know, I've been thinking about all day what I've been missing out on, and rapid fire is the answer. It's the last piece of the puzzle to my day. Is this going to bring the juice for you? Is it going to jack it up a notch? It is. It is going to turn it up. I'm going to order some takeout wings after this, and I'm going to watch the Cubs play the Cardinals eight times in the span of ten games coming up. It's kind of crazy. They have a four-game set, and then two with the White Sox, and then another four-game set with the Cardinals. So a lot of Cardinal game coming up. Maybe the last days of Cody Bellinger in a Cubs uniform coming well, up. Well, we'll see. You know, if they can get to about 500 by the deadline, I think there's a good chance that they might not sell it all off. But Bellinger makes the most sense because he's on that one-year deal, right? So if you can flip a one-year deal for a top 100 prospect, why not? Hey, we shall see. Everyone's talking right now. Bellinger is the uh, the big one they're talking about. Marcus Stroman is next in line. You know, whether or not he's going to see the door. We talked a little bit about Paul Goldschmidt in rapid fire last night. Someone asked us if we thought that the Cardinals would trade him. So, you know, going to start seeing some uh, some names changing addresses here pretty soon. Well, let's, let's get into some Notre Dame football talk. Fill in the blank. You would fill blank about Notre Dame's upcoming season if Tyler Buckner was still the quarterback and Sam Hartman had never transferred to Notre Dame? If Tyler Buckner was still the quarterback for this upcoming season, I would still feel well about Notre Dame's chances uh, to be a playoff team, essentially. I don't think much changes. I just think the the predominant thing that Sam Hartman brings is just overall experience. Um, and then... I do also think that the playbook is going to look um, relatively different, you know, with Buckner and Hartman uh, at the helm. So I think what the, what it would look like is you would see a lot more RPO type reads um, and, you know, 10, 15 yard routes, I would say. Um, But with Hartman at quarterback, you're going to see mainly play action, not a ton of RPO. I still think they'll do a little bit, um, but you're going to see obviously way more downfield balls, way more downfield shots. Um, and I obviously feel more comfortable with Hartman, you know, in a third and fourth quarter game, if you're potentially, you know, in a close one with Ohio State, USC, Clemson, or potentially you're down against Ohio State, USC, Clemson. That's the type of quarterback you want, a guy with a ton of experience. So I would still feel relatively well. I wouldn't feel as well 
Um, and Notre Dame wouldn't be as well off. They'd be in a worse situation, in my opinion. <laughs> D-Troll says Jesse is on the drugs. And... <laughs> An intervention says we need to intervene, and here's here. I'm not far off from you, uh, D Troll. So with Hartman, I think they're at least a ten and two team with a twelve and zero ceiling and a floor of nine and three. That's with Sam Hartman right now. If Tyler Buckner were still here, I think it's you know you're you're more like nine and three, a ceiling of probably ten and two, and a floor of eight and four. So again, with Hartman, it's an undefeated, you know, 12 and 0 ceiling with Buckner. I think it's a ceiling of 10 and two. If Tyler Buckner was still here, you know, I think that there would be more questions about uh, what's still a largely inexperienced quarterback because of the fact that he obviously got hurt last year, missed 10 straight weeks, you know, 10 straight games after the injury against Marshall, you know, who, you know, had a good Gator bowl, after missing all that, but he still threw three interceptions in the game. All of them his fault? No, but still three interceptions. No matter, no matter what, we know that, right? As Cowboys Dak Prescott fans, we know tip balls don't matter, you know, that kind of stuff. An interception. Interception only goes to one position on the stat sheet. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And five interceptions in 83 pass attempts last year. That's an interception in every 16 attempts that Tyler Buckner had. Big disparity from the much more experienced Sam Hartman, you know, and I know people, there's some people who talk about, well, he threw 12 interceptions. That's an issue. 428 pass attempts Sam Hartman had last year. That's an interception every 35 attempts. So that's like twice as many pass attempts for Sam Hartman to throw an interception as it is for Tyler Buckner. Hartman's got a three to one touchdown to interception ratio. Buckner, Three touchdowns, five interceptions. He's got a negative ratio, unfortunately, for last year. So, you know, this is going to be a high-scoring offense this year, and it's one that's going to complement the defense better. So, I, you know, again, Buckner, talented guy, but you're still talking about probably working through some growing pains, and that's what we would right. be talking about. Like, like if Tyler Buckner were still here, we'd be talking about can he get past this interceptions? You know, like how much, you know – how much has he grown since that Gator Bowl? We obviously would have had a little bit of spring practice to to base some of that stuff on, but we'd still be talking about, you know, is is that a thing of the past for Tyler Buckner versus, you know, with with Hartman, it's a much more finished product, obviously. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Based off of all of that, how many added wins does Sam Hartman give you? Cumulative, like net. How many net wins well, does like I said, Sam was, Hartman give was you? Sam Hartman, like was Sam wins? Hartman was Sam Hartman. I think it's you're starting off at it with a 10 and 2 team. That's what I think, with a ceiling of 12 and 0. If it was Tyler Buckner, I think you're nine and three with a with a only a one win improvement type ceiling 10 and two. I think the floor for Hartman is nine and three. I think the floor for Buckner is around. So the floor of Hartman is equal to Buckner's ceiling at 10 right. and two. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So at Buckner's best, roughly, anyway. that's not going to be better than Sam Hartman's. I worst. think because of the fact that you're, you know, better athlete in Tyler Buckner, but because of the fact that he is far from a finished product as a passer, like they're talking in Alabama, I've been, you know, again, like I was talking with, with Brian Curtis there, I've been watching a lot of the SEC media days on the SEC network this week. And, you know, they've had Alabama got, you know, Nick Saban wasn't going to talk about it, obviously, but the different Alabama reporters and stuff they've had on, they don't think Tyler Buckner is going to be the guy. There was a guy on today who said they, you know, they, he thinks that they basically brought Tyler Buckner in to be an insurance policy. And that's basically what he was here. So like, if that's what ends up being the case, like this is, this is not, this is a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a wash for Tyler Buckner. He would have been just as well off staying here with an opportunity to potentially be the starter next year. Whereas if he's not the starter this year, the odds that he's going to be the starter at Alabama are pretty slim. I think there's a greater chance that he ends up transferring someplace else. So I, I just go ahead. He got some bad advice, I think. And I'm not, I, so. I don't, I don't advocate for, you know, sitting out a year, but if you aren't going to play at Alabama, you know, you're not, you're not going to get a real second shot again as a transfer. They're going to have someone, you know, by the time the next season starts. And so it's really confusing to me that Buckner just didn't stay because again, I didn't, he was going to see the field in some fashion and the, the ability to really learn from Sam Hartman. I yeah. think he would have had the complete keys to the offense next year, but 
it's just it's going to be uh, I, I, if he doesn't get the job at Alabama, it's it's going to be even worse off for himself. You know, like he so. hurt himself even more by going to Alabama. He might still end up in some kind of package down there. But, you know, again, like. How is that any different than if he were still here? It's if he doesn't win the job, which again, now, like. It could change maybe by maybe by, you know, week three or four. It changes. It's going to be really curious because, again, you know, like all these people who cover Alabama football who I've seen down there talking about it this week, you know, seem to think that that it's going to be, you know, either Simpson or Milrow. And, you know, but like they also, you know, all these guys are saying that this is the worst quarterback situation that Nick Saban has had basically since he started down there in Alabama. So it's I really feel horrible for him. Yeah. <laughs> we've got more saving talk coming up in a little bit by the way so brian kelly got into some of the differences between being at lsu and being at notre dame when he was on sirius xm radio this week here's what he had to say quote the environment that's created and then the welcoming of the family to it it becomes like i've never done this before i became a fan he's talking of course about being at lsu I don't know what a fan is like, right? I usually have them throw stuff at me, but to sit with my wife and family at a baseball game and watch it and be a fan is something I've never had in my career, end quote. So that's Brian Kelly. What do you think about his comments there, Jess? I thought that those comments were filled with a lot of shade. I wasn't surprised. He could almost be, you know, carrying an umbrella with him because of how much shade he's throwing. And it's well, and this came on the heels. Like he was talking more specifically prior to that about, you know, some specific differences between Notre Dame, because of course everyone brings up, you know, asks him about it, but go ahead. To me, it just feels like kind of, <laughs> again, this is how I'm taking the comments. It's almost like he's saying during his time at Notre Dame, the football program was kind of what he did and got entrenched in and was like the main thing here. And relatively everyone else just, th there was no interest because they weren't as good. But now that he's at LSU and, you know, baseball is good and, you know, all these other things, basketball are good. He's basically saying that he's, he's become a fan of it, right? Like, because he's, he's got the opportunity to go watch them. They're successful. They're good. He's become a fan of LSU. So, to, to say that he was not a fan of Notre Dame, I think, again, is a very – that's what he's saying in a roundabout way. He was only there to coach football and everything else he really wasn't a fan of. But at LSU, it seems like there's more success and interest of things around him. And it, football is not just like the number one overriding thing. So he's actually a fan of these other things. So I, I, it seems kind of, again, very shady and not necessary. But that's how I took the comments. No one told Brian Kelly he couldn't go to, you know, other teams' games when he was at yeah. Notre Dame and be a fan. You know, like Marcus Freeman in year one, you know, he he was at Notre Dame women's basketball games. He was sitting front row with with his family, with his wife sometimes, with his son sometimes, and you know, staff members and stuff like that. He got on the plane and he flew to Greensboro to the ACC women's basketball tournament to watch him play out there. You know, he was. He was at the men's lacrosse national championship game. He's been at basketball games. He's been all over the place. Marcus Freeman is you – know, no one told Brian Kelly he couldn't do that when he was here. So now it's like he's saying, 
well, I have, you know, I'm at LSU and I can do that stuff now. It's like, I know that, you know, it's a great environment. It's a different kind of environment at an LSU baseball game at Alex Box Stadium compared to X Stadium here at Notre Dame. And it's obviously a lot warmer as well, but there was nothing keeping him from going to any of those games. If he wanted to, he could have done it, you know, and like we talked about this before. He could have gone to Omaha the first weekend that LSU was playing in the College World Series instead of waiting until the championship series when they were one win away from clinching a national championship. And he used it as a social media moment to let everybody know that he was going there to, to watch him try to win a national championship. But he didn't. You know, he waited until the end when everyone could see him. And to me, that's what it's all about with with Brian Kelly more than anything. He very well could have done it here at Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman is doing it here at Notre Dame. Kelly could have done it. He didn't. And, you know, again, now, like like you're saying, he wants to throw the shade back. It's like, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's, it's, he's, he's just, you know, kind of constantly throwing these jabs out. Cause like in this, in the, in the same interview, he was talking about, well, I don't have to wear a tie down here now. You know, it's not as stuffy and, you know, all this different stuff. It's just, yeah, I, I, I think that's it. Michael, Brian Kelly chose easy. He very well could have done any of this stuff here at Notre Dame. He chose not to, but I'm sure he's also, you know, became pretty popular in year one. And, you know, like speaking of choosing easy, it's easy because, you know, he was like big man on campus because they had a nice season. They won the West and all that different stuff. And and he wanted to go out there and kind of show himself and gloat a little bit in public. So, I mean, he chose the easier path that paid more money. And right. Brian that- Kelly chose easy. Marcus Freeman chose authentic. And that's what Marcus Freeman is. So. Fill in the blank. Audric estimate averaged 5.9 yards per carry last season. His yards per carry this season will be blank. His yards per carry this season will be 5.4. I think he's going to lose a half a yard per carry. Mm. And I didn't know if you knew this, but where that, that landed him number 28 nationally um, last yeah. year and in, in his yards per carry. Um, the only reason why I think his yard per per carry is going to go down is I think he's going to see the majority of the workload this season. Um, and I just think there is going to be a little bit of natural um, regression. So I think it's ultimately going to go down, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it goes up 0.5. So okay, my range is kind of... So you're plus or minus. You're leaning yeah. toward the down, but you could just as easily see it pop up. I could see it pop up because of the fact of a more downfield passing game. And when teams are kind of cheating downfield, it's going to naturally open up the box a little bit for him. I just don't know, is he going to be able to effectively manage a larger workload this season? So that is, I guess, that what's you know, that's the, the teeter of, you know, the plus 0.5, the fact that he has a more downfield passing game and the box should be a little bit looser. Um, but then the also... Again, that means his workload is going to be up a little bit because he's going to be the premier back. And I think the other two guys are going to split, you know, whatever remaining uh, between them. So, yeah, I'm going to say he's going to go down slightly. But again, I could be I I wouldn't be surprised if he goes up to like six and a half uh, next season as well. And that's I've got it going up about a half a yard. I've got I think he's going to be in the six point four range. He had one hundred and fifty six carries last year. 
7.3 by Dwayne McBride of UAB led the nation last year. And, and so, like you said, he was he was number 28 nationally. Reggie Brooks, the record holder for a single season, 7.62 is Reggie Bush. Josh Adams, see, like I was looking back at Josh Adams. He averaged 5.9, what, what Audric Estime averaged in 2016 when they were horrible. The next year, he jumped up a full yard per carry to 6.9 in 2017 and and that was even when he kind of faded down the stretch in November you know when that whole Heisman you know 33 trucking and all that stuff ended up fizzling out toward the end so I think because of one Audric Estime is who he is I think that he's still now he'll I think he'll be getting more carries but I he's going to be sharing the load still I think out there and the key is what you hit on the downfield passing attack that is going to open things up. It's going to keep teams much more honest. And I think we're going to see some longer runs from Audric Estime and, you know, and other guys for that matter this season, but we'll see some longer runs from him. So I think it's going to go up at least a half a yard per carry to around 6.4, 6.5 this year. You know, and what also plays a fact into this is, you know, how, how big do they get up on the teams that they're supposed to beat up on? Because the last thing I want when I'm down, you know, 34 to 10 or 34 to 17 is a <laughs> fat dosage to to of Ad Audric Estime in the fourth quarter right? when you need to get some stops. So I think that is also going to be a big factor in it too. Is, is he going to eat up those crunch yards in the fourth quarter? And that's, you know, not to get kind of off, to off topic, but still relatively in the same topic. That's the thing I want to see out of Marcus Freeman and the running backs coach this year is there needs to be a good rotation where Audric Estime is getting fresh touches in the fourth quarter because he, he should punish a lot of teams yes. in the fourth quarter. And I, yes. I don't – he shouldn't get bogged down early and then kind of be, you know, lacking in the fourth quarter. There needs to be a, a good fresh cycle of these running backs throughout the game. That's where I think there's a lot of very capable bodies in that room. And I think that it can definitely keep him fresh and he can be that closer type guy. I, I think you're exactly right with that. You know, they can they can offer a change of pace in a lot of different ways with guys like Jadarian Price and Jabron Payne, Jeremiah Love, Devin Ford. I think they, they can all contribute. Man, it's like going back and – I was watching that uh, Catholics versus convicts the other day, the, uh, you know, the 30 for 30, obviously about Notre Dame, Miami, 1988, but seeing, seeing like, Oh, like one time it's Reggie Brooks. And then the next time they're rolling in Ricky waters, you know, and then, you know, like rocket Ismail was so, like, they had so much talent. They were rolling guys and they had, you know, different speed and different capability, uh, you know, with, with, with different positions you know, and then they even put Eilers in the backfield once and let him run a touchdown in. I, I think that because of the kind of talent that, that this team has in that backfield, they'll be able to mix some stuff up and do exactly what you're talking about, kind of keep some legs fresh and, and do a lot of different things. One of the many things to get excited about for this season. Fill in the blank. It is blank that on the same day, former Notre Dame and Dallas Cowboys offensive lineman Zach Martin earned the coveted Madden 99 rating. There were reports that he might not report to training camp next week until he gets a new contract. <laughs> so for me, this is a like 
a comical, very Cowboys situation, right? Like Zach Martin has been the backbone of your offensive line for what, like going on a decade now, I think is like he was drafted in what, like 2014, Nine years going on, going into his 10th season right now. Right. And so he's arguably been the best guard in football for a decade, right? Like he's got, he's got more all pro nods than he has holding penalties. He makes the Pro Bowl every year. Uh, he's, you know, put up with the changing of coaching staffs, the changing of, you know, the the offensive the, coordinators, offensive yeah. coordinators, all of it. And he's just been the consistent cog in the lineup. And rather than the Cowboys rewarding that, they've kind of put it off. And now that he's, you know, a very blaring, not that people look at the 99 Madden rating, right? Like they, that's just another kind of cherry on top. But it's like you should take care of the guy – who is basically taking care of that entire offense outside of Dak Prescott. And now that it's time to pay him, you look like an idiot because you're, again, not paying the person who has, you know, shouldered, again, the the majority of the offensive line the last decade. And you could say Tyron Smith, but Tyron Smith has been hurt a lot, you know, in and Mm -hmm. out a lot of seasons. Zach Martin, you know, knock on wood, the guy doesn't get hurt. He's durable. He's, he's just everything that you would need. And, the fact that the Cowboys have neglected to pay him for what he's earned is just, to me, a very Cowboys-type move. I had never heard of this 99 rating until yesterday. I guess, I guess they only give it to a few players per year. The last guard to get this 99 Madden rating, though, it's been 20 years. Another Dallas Cowboy, the uh, vicious Larry Allen, got it in, in 2003. Did you know about this Madden 99? before this it like did you did you know much about this yeah so it's the only reason i know about it is because i've i've played the video game some before um and then it, it, it's just like a very big deal every year like there's like a uh you get presented i can't remember if you get like some special you get something like madden gives you something for being a 99 rating i can't it has it's like a gold something which isn't very okay. you know uh, helpful but you know, there's not very many of them. Last year, there was only four. Who do you think, if you had to guess who the four were last year, who do you think they would be? You know, I saw it, and I I have no idea. Off the, <laughs> like Justin Jefferson, maybe? Did he get He's one? this year. He's this year. He's on this year's? Okay. He's on this year. Devontae Adams know. was last year. Okay. Aaron Donald, who I think got it again this year. Okay. Miles Garrett, which... Uh, whatever and trent williams the tackle for the 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 49ers i agree with that one as well yeah again there's not many it's a very like coveted thing right it's a handful of guys per year and the thing you know the thing is you know adam schefter tweeted that that martin is woefully underpaid relative to the market he signed a six-year deal five years ago in 2018 so he's got two years left but you know, unlike a lot of other players who signed these deals, his play hasn't slipped, and you kind of went through some of it. I mean, the guy has been first-team All-Pro in six of his nine years. He's been second-team All-Pro the other two years. The only year he didn't make first- or second-team All-Pro was because of injury. It was, you know, like his back was jacked up a few years ago, you know? So, like, you know, he he played in every game last year, didn't give up a sack, just 12 pressures allowed, you know, seven other guards are making more money than him 
right now. So again, it's it's like, yeah, he signed this deal, but you're talking a guy, about a guy who is still 32, performing at an elite level year after year after year, and you got to figure out how to compensate this guy because he is literally your best lineman. And they've, you know, they've had so many injuries with that line and it's been so up and down and inconsistent for the last few years. It's like, that's, that's your guy. He's not, he's not just your best offensive lineman. He is literally the best interior lineman in the NFL. You gotta, you gotta figure something out. So I watched this sweet video because Dak Prescott posted, a lot of people were posting, a lot of the Cowboys players were posting, um, like congratulations to Zach Martin on their Instagrams. And Dak posted this clip of, you know, Zach Martin, basically it was, they sold the run and then it ended up being kind of like a swing pass or like a flood pass to the running back or a screen or something. And he annihilates his blocker off the line of scrimmage and then pulls out in front of the running back and annihilates that guy too. It's like, yeah, I mean, we doesn't miss blocks downfield. It's insane. he is like, yeah, he like you see him lead block, you know, like heading busting butt downfield so many times as as the lead blocker, you know, like when when they have a run, most of the time he's, you know, a big run, most of the time he's he's involved in it. He's the reason why because of his blocking. Okay, so Bill Belichick is reportedly on the hot seat in New England if the Patriots don't make the playoffs this year. And in the meantime, There's talk now that his longtime friend Nick Saban's legacy could be tarnished if Alabama misses the college football playoff this year. So which of those two things, Belichick hot seat if they don't make the playoffs, Saban legacy tarnished if Alabama's not in the playoffs, which of those two things has more legitimacy to it, do you think? (laughs) Um. So I'm going to disclaimer, I think neither of these have like overall, (laughs) like they're like 20% legitimacy, but if I have to pick which is like more legit over the other, I would have to say that Belichick uh, being on the hot seat, if New England doesn't make the playoffs, just because when you say legacy, that is a much longer span. And I feel like dramatic than just saying could be on the hot seat for missing the season because there's nothing that could really tarnish Nick Saban's legacy at this point. You know, like he could retire today. He could never make the playoffs again. He could never win a national championship again. And he'll still probably go down as, you know, if it's not, what is it, Paul Bryant, it's it's Nick Saban. You know, like it's, it, they're just the greatest coaches probably ever in college. And so nothing's ever going to tarnish Nick Saban's legacy. So I, I will have to say that even though I don't think it's true that Belichick, uh, be on the hot seat if he doesn't make the playoffs has more legitimacy. Yeah, and I, you know, and I think that his, you know, again, this is reportedly, you know, the relationship with with the owner Robert Kraft apparently, you know, isn't great because Kraft and, and Brady are so much closer than Belichick. I mean, both of these guys are seventy one. The interesting thing is Belichick is only eighteen wins away from tying Don Shula for the most wins all time in NFL history. So you know, like. Even if he like if if he only gets nine or ten this year, and you're Robert Kraft, all that Bill Belichick has done, you know, if you know, say they miss the play, say they win nine games and miss the playoffs, all Belichick has done for the Patriots, and he's eight wins away from 
you know, really nine, I guess, from passing Shula. He needs nine more wins. That's if he gets to nine this year. Like, do you want to let that guy walk? Do you want him to potentially go someplace else and get the record, you know, it for for some other team? I don't I don't know that 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 would be what you're looking for. But the problem is he's missed the playoffs in two of the last three years. And when does it happen? Without Tom Brady. You know, and that's why all this is coming up. And like he hasn't made many mistakes there in New England, but just such a huge whiff last year by bringing back Matt Patricia, bringing back Joe Judge, putting them in positions that they had never been in before. You're talking about Patricia was a defensive coordinator before he became the Lions head coach. You make him offensive coordinator. You make Judge the quarterback coach. It was a train wreck. They paid the price. And, you know, now, you know, oh, by the way, you had just drafted Mac Jones in the first round the year before, and that's what you give him as a coaching staff. So, you know, I think that that is a big mark against Belichick still. I think that between the two, that is it because of what you mentioned. I mean, Saban's got seven national championships. He's got more than Bear Bryant had. And, you know, there are only the only other coaches in the modern era with at least three championships are Urban Meyer, Tom Osborne, Barry Switzer. That's it. You know, in, in the modern era, you know, they are both goats. And I, you know, like you said, I don't, I don't put any real legitimacy, legitimacy to either. It's <laughs> a hard word to say. I know, but between the two, I would go with the Belichick just because there's, there's no way Saban's, there's no way that, that, Saban's legacy is tarnished just by missing the play, you know, because for one, they're going to expand the playoff next year. And once that happens, you know, as long as he's there, they'll, they'll be in <laughs> like every how year. Can Saban not so. make it? He's made it like every year when there's four teams. Right. Exactly. So if Belichick does end up on the outside with the Patriots though, and Dallas doesn't at least get to the NFC championship game this year, scale of one to 10, how strongly do you feel Jerry Jones would go after him? Uh, this would be a one out of 10 for me. And I, I just think Jerry Jones is never going to hire a guy that he ultimately doesn't have control over at the end of the day. Well, and Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick is not ever going to be controlled by Jerry Jones. Let's remember he, he danced with that with Bill Parcells a few years back. He gave up some of that control hired Parcells and, you know, Bill Parcells, like Bill Parcells is the reason, you know, Tony Romo went undrafted. Parcells found Parcells and Sean Payton found Romo. Romo could have gotten more money actually to sign with the Denver Broncos as an undrafted free agent, but he wanted to go play for Bill Parcells. And, you know, like you can knock him all you want, but he's still the best post Troy Aikman quarterback that the organization has had. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of other guys that Bill Parcells drafted. I think I think with the age that Jerry Jones is at, he desperately wants that last championship. I, I give this a six. I really? think that I think that he could be willing well, to dance, we saw that dance for a couple years. He could dance that dance for a couple years. Ago. Yep. Yep. That's right. Dreams are for rich people. That's <laughs> Derek. It's. <laughs> That's very fair. That's very fair. Um, back to Brian Curtis, who we had on at the start of the show. D Troll Hunter was asking if he is the real estate guru in Iowa. I would say no. Uh, he is not the Iowa real estate guru. 
Um, we were talking about Brent Musburger in that Brian Curtis interview. He said that uh, Musburger is available. He did the Raiders radio broadcast last year. The reason he did the Raiders radio broadcast is because he retired slashed was, I think, kind of, you know, pushed out a bit um, by by Disney a few years back. Still uh, still getting it done down there and, and doing his, his uh, sports wagering thing out there in Vegas. I mean, that would be... That would be a good broadcast, Brent Musburger and Mike Mayock. I think that, that would be hard to disagree with, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Raiders radio is still where he's going to be. Brandon says Chris Fowler is the worst. Are you where, – where are you on Chris Fowler as the lead play-by-play? He is essentially the – you know, like the top dog in when it comes to college football in terms of announcers. Yeah, I like Chris Fowler. I think he's got a great voice. Um, I think he's predominantly non-biased. Um, and I definitely prefer him over Kirk Herbstreit. I just I <laughs> well, there's that's I mean they work together. It's you know it's like if you're gonna compare him to play by play guys, it's like Brad Nessler, you know, Jack Collinsworth, uh, you know, some of those kind of guys. Yeah, I don't have anything wrong with Fowler. I think again, he does a good job, and his 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 voice isn't one of those ones that like feels like it's just jabbing you in the ear. It's just kind of it's like nice and, I guess you could say rhythmic. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's a different different kind of announcer. He's a little less traditional, you know, because he spent so long doing college game day and wasn't doing a whole lot of games over the years, like a Musburger or a Keith Jackson before him or a Vern Lundquist and you know, Kevin Harlan's and, and, and those kind of guys, he's different. He's not bad, but to me, like I was talking about with Brian Curtis, like Joe Buck, that's a big game announcer voice. Al Michaels, that's a big game announcer voice. Mike Tirico, even that's a big game announcer voice. Like Fowler lacks that to me because he's, he's come a little bit less traditional route to get into that number one play-by-play booth, I think. So I think he's, He's good, but I, I, I definitely, uh, I, I'm not as, not as high on him, I guess. And then Anthony says Fowler and Herb Street stink. Holly Rowe is the best part of that broadcast. So, there you go. All right, Jess, appreciate it. Good stuff. It is, uh, it is storming hard here. All of a sudden, is it? It was not storming hard here earlier. It was raining. We got some uh, decent rain. Here in town, but uh, it was it was dark earlier. That's for sure. All right. Well, we will be back for the five o'clock rapid fire show tomorrow to conclude the week. Will you be here tomorrow, Jesse? I should be here. No, barring no setbacks. All right. I believe Vince is supposed to be here. So that means three man booth to close things out on Friday. Appreciate it. And of course, appreciate Brian Curtis as well. And uh, be sure to hit that like button on your way out tonight. And of course, on your podcast platforms, you know what to do. Subscribe, rate, review. That's what you have to do. We will talk to you tomorrow on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.